All right, let's jump into today's message. We're starting a new series today titled Made for This, and we're actually going to be on this series for the next three weeks. Uh, next week, I'm excited. Man, I, Paul Fraser, I met him about a year ago. I'm so excited that he's going to be speaking to our Northern Life Church family next week, so make sure that you uh, jump on there and uh, are ready for that. Uh, Leland, I think there's a setting on I forgot to turn off, and it's just going to go through all the slides, so... Maybe Pastor Annie can help you. It's not your fault. Anyways, I was monkeying around with the computer and I forgot to turn something off. Anyways, made for this. So part one today, part two next week, part three the week after. So the the main scripture comes from Ephesians 2 verse 10, but we're going to read through uh, the first 10 verses of Ephesians today. uh, And I'm excited to do so. So let's jump right in Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. And uh, hopefully uh, you can follow along. Uh, It says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him, who, with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, here's our theme verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This uh, section of Scripture is hard to teach from, uh, not because it's, a, it's hard to interpret, but because this section of Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10 is so rich with biblical truth that we can apply to our lives. So we're going to focus on verses 8, 9, and 10 today, and uh, we'll, we'll start there. So there's our first thought for today. It's simply this, grace. By grace we have been saved. If you're like me, you've heard uh, this phrase throughout your life. But what does it mean? What does it mean for, uh, that, with that phrase, uh, by grace you have been, uh, we have been saved? What does it mean? Well, grace is given to the undeserving. Grace is given to the undeserving. Uh, one commentator said, we are not even saved by our faith, but by grace through faith. Think about that. We're not even saved by our faith but by grace through faith. So God's grace towards you and me is what sets us free. If you look for grace in anyone but the Lord Jesus, you are accepting a grace that is tainted. It's not the best by this world. Some of us can, we can extend grace towards one another, but that's just nothing compared to Jesus. That's like a a second class grace. That's like a cheap a cheap used car that you wish you didn't buy. Like, that's not, the, that's not the good grace. We must always look to Jesus when it comes to grace. It's not just that His grace is the real deal. It's that it's the only grace we need to be saved. His is the only grace we need to be saved. 
Another commentator said this, God's purpose in our redemption is not simply to rescue us from hell, as great a work as that is. His ultimate purpose in our salvation is that for all eternity, the church might glorify God's grace. That for all eternity, we might glorify God's grace. I love that last part. What will we do when we get to heaven someday, you may have thought over the years. What, what am I going to do when I get to heaven? Well, we will glorify the one who set us free, and we're going to do it for eternity. Remember, when we've sung a million love songs, we've only just begun. You see, understanding grace is key to our faith. I think we could say that if we don't understand grace, we won't have the right handle on our faith. If we don't understand grace, we'll use it like a credit card we don't pay. Of course, someone else did pay that price. You see, there's always a price that must be paid, this one in full. On the flip side, if we don't understand grace, it can lead us to be so critical of ourselves and others that we never live in the fullness that the Lord Jesus has for us. I don't know how to say this without... Sounding a little mean, but I'll give it a go. Grace. We need to understand it better. Do you know in our world we are quick? This is everyone. It's not just a certain group of people. And a certain, it's not just Canadians. It's not just Americans. It's not just, you know, Caribbean people. No, no. Everybody across the world. Do you know what we struggle with? Grace. We're so quick to jump on people's situations. Do you know that in today's world, we actually expect perfect people? We do. When someone messes up, we're like, Psh, I knew it. That stupid person. Right? That's the kind of thing we may think. The truth is, not one of us is perfect. And you need grace. I need grace. I say stupid things every day. Every day. Sometimes it happens early in the morning. And I think, man, I got the whole day to go. Sometimes I make it into the evening, and I think, I was so close. But every single day, I say and do stupid things. And guess what? You do, too. You want to know how I know? Because you tell stupid stuff to me sometimes. And I'm thinking, man. If we don't understand grace, it can lead us to be so critical of ourselves and others that we never live in the fullness that the Lord Jesus has for us. In short, we'll take on a critical spirit of ourselves and others and never release it. Do you know that some of us have done that? We're just, you know, we're, you know, <laughs> there used to be some uh, hip-hop songs back in my day, you know, what, naughty by nature or, you know, that kind of stuff. It, you, we shouldn't listen to it. It's very inappropriate, I'm sure. But the truth is, some of us take on a critical spirit, and we can say, well, we're critical by nature. <laughs> we should never be that, whether it's towards ourselves or towards others around us. But we have to be careful, because if we don't understand grace, we will take on that spirit and will always be critical, right? That's why, you know, I have to be careful as I go off into the golden years here in a little while, because I have a tendency to just complain, right? Oh, it's cloudy today. <laughs> you know, forgetting that it was two weeks of sunshine, it's okay to have a cloud every once in a while. 
you know, let alone any kind of real world issues that we face. Oh, you know, someone put a, a, a pop can in the paper recycling bag this week and I took it out. I was, I was mad. <laughs> Who would do such a thing? Right? <laughs> Grace in me shows the world around me that I live for Jesus and his will and his command commands in my life because I know that his way is better for my life than anything I can dream up we live in a world where we are completely obsessed with making gods of ourselves whether it's just me making a god of myself or me looking to someone and thinking man they're just so amazing you know, I love it. Yeah, it's, I won't go there. But, like, it's just we do this, and we all do it in our own way. Or someone will tell me, I just love that person so much. And I'm thinking, you don't know them. You've never met them. You never will meet them. Jesus and his will and commands in my life are better because his way is better for my life than anything I could dream up. Another commentator said, grace means that God does it all for Jesus' sake. Isn't that great? Through grace, we see that our Father in heaven has given to us what we don't deserve. When I think of our church family, do any of us deserve the grace that's been given to us? No. <laughs> it's not a hard question to answer, no. Grace, the gift that's been given for free to you and to me. I read this this week. I love it so much. Mercy means that God does not give me what I do deserve. Grace means that he gives me what I don't deserve. Let me say it again. Mercy means that God does not give me what I deserve. Grace means that he gives me what I don't deserve. As we consider this thought made for more, we are reminded that we must always look to the grace of God to fill our lives. You are made for more than the circumstances that you find yourself in. So here's our next thought. Gift of God. What is the gift of God? It is the work of salvation. That's the gift of God. At the end of verse 8 in our passage, we've read, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I kind of emphasize the word it. It's just my emphasis. This it refers directly to salvation. In fact, we will take this further. For every person out there, God needs to work in us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Make no mistake, your life is at risk. The God of this age, and you can attach whatever label you want to that, but the God of this age is after us. The God of this age, interestingly, chooses to blind us. Doesn't say, it's interesting that we're blinded from the truth, but the truth is still there, right? Just as in Corinth, uh, from this text in Corinthians, uh, just as in Corinth, this truth applies to us today as well. Uh, you can ask this question, Pastor, what do I do with someone I love who refuses to listen to me when I share with them about Jesus? Well, here's what I would suggest. We need to pray for the gift of God, the gift of salvation, to enter their lives, to enter kind of their orbit, their atmosphere around them. 
in my devotions this week, I read this about the Apostle Paul. And I was thinking about it. If anyone could make a case for Christ, it would be the Apostle Paul. Right? He was excellent at it. So let's listen to what Acts 28 says and tells us about one of his preaching efforts. So this is Paul ministering in Acts 28. It says this in Acts 28, verse 23. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in uh, even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. So like, that's a preacher's dream, right? You invite some people and then way more people show up than you ever thought. So he's off to a good start. Then it says, he witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. I'm tired after 30 minutes with, with all of us. Not because you guys are hard to talk to, but just I get tired. Morning till evening, he shared. He taught them about explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Verse 24, some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. Verse 25, they disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. Paul said, the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet. Now I'm going to switch translations here. I think that was the ESV or the NIV, I forget which one. Let's, go, let's just jump over to the message here. And it's, this is what the prophetic word from Isaiah says in the message translation. It says, go to this people and tell them this. You're going to listen with your ears, but you won't hear a word. You're going to stare with your eyes, but you won't see a thing. These people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. Uh, Nicky Gumbel wrote this about this passage of Scripture in Acts. He said, The gospel message often splits an audience in two. As Paul preached, some of them were persuaded by what he said, but others refused to believe a word of it. That's from verse 24. As Isaiah had prophesied, some people's hearts become calloused and hardened to the message, while others see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts in turn. And so God brings healing. You see, church, it is possible that some won't believe. Because of disagreement, like our text illustrates to us today, we can't control how others respond. What we can do is focus what we do and say on Jesus. You see, when our focus, our words are on the Lord Jesus, when we speak to other people, there is a shift in the atmosphere around us. Just as Jesus' presence will shift the atmosphere in your home, your workplace, the same is true about speaking the name Jesus around us. We know that just the mention of the name of Jesus changes everything around us. It's not limited in any way. The gift of God is salvation, and as we consider this thought made for more in our series, we can see that we need to speak the name of Jesus so that we can share the good news of the gift of God that is salvation. You see, remember God's plan is that none would perish, 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Everyone needs to have a chance to hear about the Lord Jesus. God's plan is that none would perish. It's us that change that plan. Here's our next thought today, not of works. I think getting caught up in the doing stuff for God category has maybe deceived me the most in my relationship with God. Someone always seems to be asking me this question. What, Pastor, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing for God? If I'm not asked that question, I'm told that question. Someone would say to me, this is what I'm doing for God. 
most of the time it's harmless, right? It's nothing bad. <laughs> what, what am I, this is what I'm doing for God. I'm giving water away. It's like, good, that's good. Good for you. Most of the time it's har- harmless and often well-intentioned. But all it does is remind me that we actually don't really know anything about God's heart for us. We get so busy doing, many of us don't know how to be. We just get so busy doing, we don't know how to be. Have you ever met a genuinely thoughtful person? Have you ever come across someone like that? Like they're genuinely a thoughtful person. I've realized that I get so hyper around people sometimes that when I'm actually around someone like this these days, I kind of catch myself. I didn't like, whoa, I got to slow down. I need to chill. Thankfully, there is grace, like we've talked about earlier. One commentator said this, Since we have not been saved by our good works, we cannot be lost by our bad works. I'd love for you to accept a challenge with me. This is something God's speaking to me about, so if he's not speaking to you about it, you can kind of ignore it. But I just want to throw it out there. I'd love for you to accept a challenge with me. It's just between ourselves and the Lord. You don't have to fill out anything. You don't have to come back next week, tell me how you did, none of that stuff. But this is the challenge. Take some time over the next few weeks and just be in the presence of God. Just don't do anything. Don't be doing stuff. Just be in the presence of God. Don't get caught up in the busyness. Just be. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Grace means salvation completely apart from any merit of, or works on our part. I learned something when I was, I think I was, I was either 18 or 19. I always forget. No, I was, hold on. I think I was 19. Okay. I learned something when I was 19. And it kind of annoys me every time I think about it, but you've heard me say it before. God does not care, (laughs) and he does not love us less if we do nothing. Like, (laughs) it kind of annoys some people, like me sometimes. But he, he just wants us to be. He just wants us to be with him. That's it. As we consider this thought made for more, we know that it's not what we hold on our hands and hold in our hands and do. It's simply that we are held in the arms of Christ. It's not what we do. As you know, all that we need to do to be saved is just confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. Each day we just do what he tells us to do and simply move forward worship team would you help me out here our final thought for today and i could have given a whole message just on this and i i didn't so i apologize it's just i'm going to kind of just stuff it down our throats here a little bit but here's our last thought workmanship here's two quick things i'd love for us to remember as we conclude When it comes to workmanship, so the scripture says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's two things I want us to remember when it comes to workmanship. God works in us, and God works through us. 
God works in us. If you look up the Greek word here for workmanship, it's actually translated back in English to poem. So if you take the Greek word for workmanship and translate that word to English, it becomes the word poem. The work that God is doing is a story that's still unfolding in our lives. It's a testimony that's being worked out. Our conversion, our acceptance of Jesus as Lord of our lives is not the end. The biggest, one of the biggest uh, uh, misnomers, confusion pieces, uh, things that we just, we, we lose sight of in our, in our world today is that conversion is not the end of our growing into what Christ has called us to. It's actually the beginning of the story he's painting in each of our lives. One commentator said, God continues to work in us to make us what he wants us to be. His purpose is to make us more like Christ. If you're not like Christ completely, you're not done. You're not all the way there. So when we read this passage in this uh, text in Ephesians 2 verse 10, when it says his, his workmanship, some translations say his masterpiece, what does it reveal to us? God will continue what he started in us. That's what's revealed. He will make you and me more like Christ. Well, how does this happen, Pastor? How, does, how do I become more like Christ? How does he do this work in me? Well, through the Holy Spirit. That's how he does this work in me. You see, our conversion experience represents us going from death to life. That's why when we come to water baptism, uh, you go under the water, so to speak, and then you come back up. It's symbolic of us dying to our sinful life and coming back to life in victory. You see, God has work, uh, God has to work in us before he can work through us. We can't rush the masterpiece that God is unveiling in each of our lives. So our first part there, God works in us. Then God works through us. John Calvin wrote this. It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. We are not saved by faith plus good works. We are saved by faith that works. What does the future hold? We don't really know. But because of faith and the workmanship, the masterpiece that the Lord Jesus is forming in each of our lives, we know that Jesus holds our future right? Jesus holds our future. The same loving Father that has chosen, uh, has chosen me, has chosen us, has called me, has called us, and saved me, has also marked out a plan for my life. Every hour, every day, we need the Lord at work in our lives. Why don't you stand with me and we'll uh, conclude with this, this brief time of worship. So God, we're just so grateful. Lord, we are your workmanship. We are a story unfolding. We are not finished. Some of us, like me, are nowhere close to being what you've called us to be. So God, I pray that you would continue to work in us and work through us. I pray that we would open up ourselves to be willing for you to work in us. That we would not be ignorant and ignore what you want to do in our lives. Maybe there's some things we need to give up. Maybe there's some things we need to change. Maybe there's some habits that we need to break. Whatever it is, I've got no idea. But God, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would work in us. I know you're not going to give up on us, but I pray that you'd work in us and through us, that we would be open vessels, willing to receive your spirit in our lives. Father, even in my life, would I be willing to receive the work that you want to do 
in and through me. Lord, we are your canvas and clay. Mold us into what you would have for us. Your way, I know your way is better than mine. So God, would you mold me today, mold us today into the masterpieces, the workmanship that you are creating. God, it's okay if we feel like we're not there yet or we, we haven't, maybe we haven't really even started our journey, whatever. It doesn't matter, Lord. But God, would you just lead us? It doesn't matter if you're like me and you've served the Lord your whole life or maybe you're just new to this whole faith thing. You're just trying to sort it all out. What is, what is he even saying? Maybe your question. Let's just allow ourselves to be ministered by the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. So when you, God, when you speak to us, I pray that we would write things down and remember what you've spoken. God, when we read your word and you reveal things to us, I pray that you would help us to make note of that so that we can go back to it and remember what you've spoken over our lives. So God, would you reign over our life today? Would you heal us today, Lord? Would you strengthen us today, O oh Lord? Holy Spirit, come. 